Welcome to the Black Wolf Media Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Evans. This is a show where we dive into the stories of black entrepreneurs and business owners, and we talk about their brands and entrepreneurship journeys. Let's get into this episode. What's going on, guys? So if you're looking to keep up with the Black Wolf Media podcast and everything that's going on, go ahead and sign up for our weekly newsletter at blackwolfmedia.substack.com. Again, that's blackwolfmedia.substack.com. Peace. All right, we back. Oh, let's see. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All good, man. We're going to get it right. We're going to get it right. All right, guys. Welcome to the Black Wolf Media Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Evans. I have a special guest, guys. His name is Desmond Wiggins Jr. He is the CEO and co-founder of Better Exchange. Desmond, man, tell the people a little bit about yourself, how you doing, man, and tell them what you do. Yeah, um, excited to be here. Um, thank you for the platform that you've created, uh, providing opportunities for people like me to come on here and share a little bit about what we do. Um, I started Battery Exchange four years ago um, as a way to recreate how we charge our various devices that we use every single day when we're outside of our homes. Um, and since then, we built a that allows locations and partners on our platform to uh, engage um, in a new way to the captive audiences in their spaces, in essence, to provide um, equitable and, you know, access to uh, mobile energy for any and everybody from all walks of life. So that's the company. Um, we've been around for four years now in some of the biggest healthcare systems, um, professional sports teams, uh, universities within the region. Uh, I'm based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. That's awesome, man. So, you know, from, from the look of it, man, like this is definitely a, a game changer. Um, and so my question to you is, man, how did you guys come up with this? Like, what was it that sparked the idea for battery exchange? Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, honestly taking it four years back, um, I was in a space of looking for the next best thing, um, had created a few different companies, um, and really just wanted to solve problems for everyday people. And I studied abroad in Asia. And during that time, I had immersed myself in like technology and seeing so much like, you know, everything from AI to robotics to uh, the sharing economy and really fell in love with the ability for people to rent a product when they need it. And, you know, in essence, bring it back and allow somebody else to utilize that. And one particular afternoon after a long day of just traveling and being on my device, ended up into a inconvenience. I think that we all have been in where cell phone was dead and that was my only way to get home. Right. So mm -hmm. I needed Uber. They call it DD over there. Um, and I didn't speak the language and, you know, started to realize that. <laughs> we're living in this day and age where it's like the dial-up era of the internet, right? Yeah. We, we resort to outlets and stationary, you know, um, solutions. And so we had the the idea of creating something that was a lot more convenient, a lot more on the go, um, and allowed you to really 
what we call like live life charge freely um, and allow any and everybody to be able to connect. So it was really from having the problem and one too many times and just saying like, hey, why don't we solve this problem? And saw that there was a huge uh, opportunity and market for it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, what what was it like bringing this process to life? Matter of fact, what was the process like itself? I mean, it's it was difficult. Um, I, I'll say that. But I think, you know, I I was I was overseas for about two and a half years and I had been planting seeds in the the manufacturing world, the the development world. And it was really just I needed the right product or the right of, but I had like the the space and opportunity being in the manufacturing capital of the world. And so, you know, after that moment of finally getting home, finally getting back to school, really that night started sketching out some ideas around, you know, what was possible, what could be created and ended up building somewhat of a, a, a sketch of like an MVP. And then just yeah. literally went shopping that around to various, you know, manufacturers and seeing if I could get an MVP built before I came back to, st- to the States because I was actually in my last semester. And fortunately, I had, you know, built some guanxi. So guanxi is like your network, right? And okay. you know, individuals were kind of opening doors for me to say like, hey, you know, we could get this done for a couple hundred bucks and ended up getting something built that didn't even work, <laughs> you know, but it was... Yeah. It was good enough for me to be able to showcase to people, hey, this is kind of what we want to build and, you know, evolve to. So in the early stages, it was just a lot of figuring it out, um, you know, but fortunately I had, you know, started some companies in the past that allowed me to really understand how to move a little bit quicker versus, you know, some first time entrepreneurs that might be, you know, beating their head around what to do. Yeah. Okay. Now, now let's talk about that, man. Like, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, starting other companies in the past. So can you can you talk about those companies for a little bit? Yeah. Um, so I am uh, Jamaican heritage. So um, first generation American. And again, I just would go back to Jamaica and see opportunities and, you know, try to solve it. Um, one of the solutions that we started to create was. Um, we wanted to create wealth, right? And so we wanted to teach people to save and invest, um, you know, their, you know, extra dollars here and there. And conceptually, great idea, but just the wrong market. You know, people yeah. were worried about putting food on their table, you know, getting, you know, uh, clothes for their kids and stuff like that. So I had learned how to build a team. You know, I was down there pitching with a group of individuals that were, you know, bought into the idea. And then, what really happened is life happened at yes. that, you know, somebody was having a kid, somebody else moved across the world really. And so, you know, I just really learned a lot from that. Um, and then started a few other companies. Um, one was a logistical company trying to automate how oil was being hauled in um, Jamaica and just kind of making it a, a seamless and an easy process. So again, I've always been somebody that like just find a, find a problem and just like, yo, there gotta be an easier way to do this. So yeah. I can utilize technology to enable that. Right. Um, and so that's kind of how like some of those earlier startups or companies, um, were, and then I've even been on the retail side. I remember like I had did a semester again, just building companies, right? Like yeah. I am that type of entrepreneur, but I was in like 
I had to spend one semester during my MBA program in Kansas. That's where my school was at before I went to China. And, you know, there's a pitch competition and I saw an opportunity for like a frozen yogurt spot. So I was pitching that, you know, and so I think in those moments, I started to see my superpower around pitching and, you know, articulating why this company or why this product and, you know, creating and building a team. And, you know, I, I feel like I lead by passion. So yeah. allowing people to believe in the vision and, you know, what we're creating to, in essence, build and scale a company. Yeah. Okay. Man, you know, take us back, man. You know, it sounds like you are a guy that, you know, you, you say you always solve problems. So, like, did you have an, an inspiration when you were coming up as a kid? Like, was there a person or was there like a company or, you know, just a celebrity? Was there someone that inspired you to, to move the way you do now? Yeah, honestly, um, it's in my blood. Uh, so I'm third generation entrepreneur. So my granddad was an entrepreneur, not by choice, but by circumstance, right? Yeah. You know, had to put food on the table after, you know, being let go from his job. And then my dad um, actually took the torch um, and still actually is an entrepreneur, has been in finance for longer than I've been alive and has his own, you know, um, agency. And really being able to, you know, travel with my dad, because I was a, a, a an athlete, so I ran track and field. I, you know, competed on the highest stages uh, nationally, and my dad was able to, like, go with me, you know, but yeah. still to work. Like, before remote work was, like, cool and a buzzword and stuff, like, he was doing that. He was still yeah. making appointments and, you know, landing deals and stuff, and I saw that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can, you know, somewhat be in control of, like, your schedule, uh, family is really important to me. So you could still be present, right? Um, physically, even if, you know, sometimes you think about other things, but you could yeah. you move around. So it was really those um, examples uh, close to me. And then, you know, just being able to be a little bit more comfortable taking risk. Um, that's something like my dad and my family have always been kind of open to, um, you know, we're very spiritual individuals. So, you know, we, uh feel like we get guidance from you know god and stuff but a lot of it is just really taking the risk to, to yeah. go out and do something and take the chance and you know not be scared to talk to people and you know share what your your vision is and story and i saw you know my dad do that for so many years and i was just like you know what that's something i want to do and so i did spend a few years in a corporate world um and i you know i'm not one of those entrepreneurs that like downs it but, you know, I definitely feel like it helped me be the CEO that I am today. But, you know, I knew it wasn't for me. You know, I, I, yeah. I was back to those times where I saw my dad, you know, grinding out, whether it's good or it's bad. But that was something that motivated me. I was definitely, uh, you know, um, pulled towards that type of lifestyle versus, you know, the nine to five, which, again, nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, it, I, I think it's awesome that you know, you were in an environment that made you comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, um, taking risks, putting in action. I think that's awesome um, because, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, man, they, they, they're starting businesses and they're having doubts and they're, they might be afraid to take that risk at first. You know what I'm saying? It might take a little time for them to take that risk, but eventually they take it. But how does it feel, man, knowing um, that any, idea that you come up with you know you can just put it to put it to play put it in action and make it happen like how does that feel to you 
Um, I, I think, you know, in those moments, you think about the reps, you know, Steph Curry isn't the, the best shooter of all time, just because he got into the gym one time, you know, yeah. like he literally put in the work. And, you know, when I look back at the, the work that I put in the hours, the, the, the millions of no's that I face, the hurdles, um, but also the support and the community that I've created you know, you, you feel really, really good based off of the, you know, the 10,000 hours that I've, I feel like I've put in, you know, yeah. and when you get the wins and the results that kind of showcase, you know, you being able to go from zero to one to, you know, now scaling a company and, you know, hopefully getting it acquired in a few years type of thing. Um, you, you appreciate it. Um, and I try to not forget about those moments because those moments have made me, again, the the leader that I am today. Yeah. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, full circle every now and again when I take time and just be intentional and thinking about it, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's awesome, man. So I want to, you know, transition a little bit, talk a little bit more about Battery Exchange itself. So um, I know one thing you, you guys do, you partner with other businesses like, so can you explain that process and how it works, you know, as far as expanding the business? Like, <clears throat> Yeah, we, we look at environments where individuals, you know, typically or potentially can run into an inconvenience. Right. And so, yeah. you know, one of the environments that, um, you know, quote unquote, our beachhead where we drive a lot in and we, we have, you know, a lot of scalability is the. The healthcare space. Um, you think about emergency rooms and surgical waiting rooms, and you not planning on being in an emergency situation, right? And then, you know, the number one thing that you want to do in those moments are, you know, connect to your loved ones, uh, continue to do the work that you were doing, or you know, maybe you're just going to spend a few hours on social media. But in those moments, um, not being prepared to be in those moments, uh, you oftentimes run into that inconvenience and not having a charger with you. And so, you know, we're able to provide a, you know, a kiosk machine where that healthcare system, you know, acquires, they purchase it. And then the actual rental of the, the batteries um, is actually free for the end user, right? So it's, again, that amenity that enhances the overall, you know, uh, patient experience. And so we really take that narrative into other spaces like the professional sporting arena to enhance the, you know, fan experience, um, universities, just because students are on their phones all the time. And then, on, you know, public transportation, um, you know, we definitely feel like this is um, the, the next wave of how we look at on-demand access to convenient charging, you know, yeah. and that's what we're kind of creating with battery exchange. Okay. That's awesome, man. So um, my, my question to you, man, I'm curious, like since starting Battery Exchange, what kind of opportunities has the company presented with you guys? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's been phenomenal ride, like to be honest, everything from, you know, dope pitch opportunities. Like I was able to um, pitch at InvestFest last year. Um, oh, wow. OK. Yeah, man. On a stage. That's awesome. I shared the stage with Steve Harvey, Tyler Perry, you know, Rick Ross um, in front of the lights and, you know, being able to actually win that competition. Phenomenal opportunity. Yeah. Um, we've been featured on like BT, you know, all types of, um, you know, publications, Afro, um, not Afro tech, but um, 
one of the platforms that kind of they promoted like um the top 10 hbcu grad technology companies and you know we're a part of that so it's been a phenomenal opportunity um and the community has been a part of a big part of that and then also now just you know being able because our our, you know our concept is b2b and the c component is just the user side again which is free but working with like some of the largest healthcare systems in the region and you know sports teams like you you i don't take any of that for granted yeah um and you know we've been able to raise some really really phenomenal capital um over the last few years that have allowed us to you know just keep going and all of these are just opportunities from just like keeping your head down and just like going balls to the wall each and every day um you know just sharing the vision you know uh investing in my team you know and just trying to figure it out it's it's really a grind yeah that's awesome man okay um so speaking of team man like how does one build a solid team and how does one get that team to like see their vision yeah man that's i think one of the hardest tasks especially for you know first-time founders or early entrepreneurs because you know we come into this you know What's good, everyone? If you guys are enjoying this show, please be sure to share this with a friend, family member, or coworker, and leave a five-star review. Now back to this episode. Peace. Creating this baby and having this like robust vision, right? And so, you know, one of the the biggest things that you can do is, you know, be able to articulate that vision to some other individual that, you know, it's not their baby. It becomes their baby over time. Um, and, you know, I've been one that like, I feel like I'm super uh, passionate. So I lead by passion, but I'm also very vulnerable. Like if I don't know something, like I'm going to say I don't know, but also I'm going to inquire and ask questions about it. Right. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I try to be very coachable. I try to listen to everybody. And I feel like that's how I've grown over the years. Um, I actually read a book like last year. It was like good to great. And I feel like one of the things that I learned was to really be one that delegates. Right. But also, you know, going from a level three to level four leader is being able to, like, understand and manage departments and lead departments. And so um, that comes with time of really building a team of experts and professionals that are really, really smart in whatever you know, uh, department it is within the the company. And then it's trusting them. It's trusting them to uh, execute on the vision that you shared with them and, you know, being there to listen to when it goes wrong, um, being there to support them, giving them the right resources. And, you know, I think once you figure that out as a CEO, one, your jobs get easier because like people just feel like they're, you know, a part of, creating this vision and creating this project and creating these technologies and so forth. Um, But also like, you know, you're not necessarily having to do the work. Do you have to understand what's going on? Always. Right. But you really have somebody that's like leading, um, you know, a whole entire product roadmap, you know, an old whole entire marketing strategy. So it, it, that's probably like one of the toughest tasks, but once you can figure out how to, you know, find out what's important to that individual and then give them the keys and the trust 
to go and execute at a really high level, um, that's when you are being a phenomenal, you know, level four or level five leader. Yeah. Okay. Now, now you said something real interesting. You said level four, level five. Can you explain like the differences between being the, you know, the type of leader at a certain level? Yeah, I think, you know, one through three really is just like the, the growing pains of a leader. It's just like you get to a point where, you know, you're a subject matter expert, right? And then you go out and, you know, that's like one and two. And then three is like, you go out and, you know, you actually build a team. You, you have people that are like bought in, but maybe you don't know how to delegate. Maybe you don't know how to actually lead departments and, you know, be vulnerable and all of these different things. And then, you know, level four is when you actually trust, build trust within your team and your culture. And now you're leading those specific, um, you know, engineering teams. Um, yeah, well, actually, you're not actually leading them. You have a department lead and you're just nurturing them, right? Yeah. Again, vision and the resources and everything that they need in order to be successful. And then level five is like, you're just scaling that out. Like you're growing at, you know, a robust like pace that is just tracking. And I think a lot of it is um, self-accountability. So you're, you're building like, you know, a board of advisors and not just for the company, but for yourself, you know, people that you go to that um, are subject matter experts in particular, and you're learning from them to bring team or team to start to get mentors and stuff like that. So there's that involvement of everything of what can I do to give my team everything that they need in order to be successful, right? Yeah. And it's the same do. What can I do to give me the best opportunity to be successful? So you see those levels kind of uh, grow as somebody gets more and more comfortable as a you know a CEO, a CTO, or whatever that leadership position is. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, man, let's you know, being that you are the CEO, man, you know. Tell us about a typical day. Like, what's that like for you? Man, there ain't, you know, I get that question a lot. There is no typical day, man. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I say this. I'm very intentional on, you know, family time. Um, I do have two young children. And so, you know, in the morning, as them, you know, I'm dropping them off to school, getting them ready, all that stuff. And then, you know, in the beginning of the week, I really am intentional on my hours during the day right making sure i'm you know uh taking advantage of the time not wasting the time and i have specific tasks that i'm doing whether it's an hour or like four hours straight right um and so i'll do that in the morning and then i feel like at this um point in time of leadership i you know i, I really want to be healthy as far as like physically and so i typically do like a midday workout um you know a few times a week you know, to, to keep that mental energy just continuing to go. Um, and then I'll go back and just dive back into whatever my time is allotted for. And some days might be heavy on a sales, you know, pitching and cultivating relationships there. I might be pitching investors on a certain day. I might be, you know, doing some networking things in person. Um, I might be, you know, meeting with my team, you know, literally no day or week is the same. I might be traveling like that's literally e each and every day. But I am very, you know, just disciplined on where I allot my time and what I'm doing, doing in that time and not like trying to be sidetracked by anything. Yeah. And then, you know, my, my evenings, I try to 
um, you know, be there with my family so that, you know, my young kids know, say that, you know, they, they have a father, they, they spend time right. with me. And then if I got to do some work um, before I go to bed, uh, I, you know, I just got to do what I got to do. But I typically try to get my work done during the day um, or like late afternoon so that I can, you know, close the laptop an hour at least before I go to sleep, because that's important. Like I want to be able to actually sleep. Um, but I guess like one of the things that happens, and I don't know if it's other entrepreneurs, but like even this morning, I've been up since 3 a.m., you know, like not purposefully. Um, I was just up for a few hours. There's just a lot on my mind. And sometimes that's just when I could be most still and some of my most creative strategies and ideas come about. So, you know, when that happens, I try to like restructure my day um, because I do have to rest. Right. And so that's like a typical day or week if i could even say that there's a typical day or week yeah okay that's awesome man that's awesome so you know one thing you mentioned that you know you may work on a task for about four hours um or an hour and so my question to you is man like how are you able to focus and you know eliminate distractions and still you know, get things done in, you know, the allotted time that you have? Well, I mean, I try my best to like not look at emails, you know, if I need to put my phone on do not disturb, um, you know, not checking text messages, obviously not being on social media. So it's just removing those distractions out of your sphere. Uh, my wife knows that like, yo, if she got to reach out to me, she probably got to call me a few times, you know, um, hopefully it's not an emergency. And then I think the other element of it is, you know, just really being structured on a schedule and knowing what I need to do during that time. Um, and then, you know, just I, I'm, I'm big on vibes and energy and like music. So, you know, in the morning time, I'm more of a classical type of music because that's when I feel like I have the most energy to do new ideas or, you know, creative thinking. And then after my workout, maybe I'm just doing like you know, things that just kind of come easy to me or following up on emails or so forth and so on. So I think leadership for me in this space, you know, is really intentional on knowing how I show up as my best self in, you know, the periods of the day and then crafting my schedule if I can, right, um, around that. Yeah, okay. Now let me ask you, man, I'm curious, like, do you ever, you know, do you ever have off days and like whenever you do, how are you able to like maneuver through that and just like get back on track? Man, I, I'm I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm not, you know, and I hope, you know, investors that listen to this, right. Don't take this the wrong way, but I'm not one that, um, you know, I, I did it in the early stages, man. And it wasn't healthy, uh, you know, no eating, no, I mean, no sleeping, no, no, like true, structure to my lifestyle and not having any days off type of thing but now i'm very intentional on that so yeah you know i try to you know if i got to work saturday morning that's saturday morning sundays you know is sabbath so i'm i'm trying to chill i'm trying to be there with my family and that's really yeah. what's important to me um but i golf you know i so i try to that's my outlet like i i found my days to golf um and i i i got out of the point of feeling guilty you know like because I'm so structured on what I do with my time, I know that I've put that time in. So unless it's something crazy that needs to just be in or, you know, 
something else, I, it can wait most times, you know. Um, I, I don't live with that pressure of feeling like I am not in control of my hours and my time. And once I remove myself from, you know, the thinking that I'm not in control, life has just gotten a lot easier, you know. And yeah. so like my off days of spending it with the family or traveling or doing what I have to do there is needed. You know, I understand how important that balance is. Um, you know, I another thing that I do, you know, is even like on Mondays, like I don't take any meetings before like 12 just to ease into the week. And yeah. you know, 12, I got therapy session, you know, and so I'm really getting into a space of being very comfortable with visualizing and understanding what the week's going to look like before just diving in, because I felt like once I used to just dive in, I would just be so stressed, man. Not saying that I'm not stressed now, but it was just a different level of stress yeah. that I couldn't manage. So I've really evolved um, on how I am with my time over the years. Yeah. Okay. That's cool, man. Um, So, you know, man, let me ask you. So let's say like you have a young entrepreneur, man, and they might've been running their business for let's say a year. And they want to scale, but they're having a problem doing so. What kind of advice would you give to that entrepreneur? Got to get help. Um, I think that, you know, you got to look at the ecosystem that you're in and, you know, really understand how that ecosystem moves. Right. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, not necessarily known to be a big startup, you know, community. But, you know, fortunately, I was able to understand the landscape and you know now become like a a big fish in a small pond and once you can understand the dynamics you start to get into spaces that you find people that you can bring a part of your team because they're in some of those similar spaces whether it's accelerated programs or incubators or just networking opportunities but also you surround yourself with, you know, some of the sales partners, right? And, you know, especially if you're B2B, getting into really some of those circles um, and building that network allow you to get the warm leads that you need that open the door for like amazing opportunities that bring in revenue and bring in team members and bring in a new thought process. Um, so I, I, you know, encourage the intentionality around figuring out and understanding your ecosystem and seeing where you can really thrive in that ecosystem. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. So, um, man, for those, for those that don't know, can you explain what B2B is and B2C? Yeah. Um, you know, business to business and business to consumer business to business is, you know, you're typically selling your product or software to, what we call like an enterprise partner, um, you know, a, a large type of business um, and, you know, sp most times specific departments. Right. Um, you know, for us, we're selling in healthcare. you know, we're on the facility side, supply chain or patient experience. Right. That's a, a B2B, you know, specific channel that we sell to. Um, on a business cons consumer side is, you know, a product or a software still that, you know, the end user or the everyday person, you know, either purchases or has the opportunity to utilize your platform to, uh, you know, interact with whatever your product and service is. So it's really from a, a, a B2B business to business, then, you know, just end consumer that is going to be able to utilize your, your product for the betterment of whatever you know, whatever your platform speaks to. Okay. 
Well, there you have it, people. All right, man. Um, Desmond, man, what, if people want to get into contact with you, man, how can they reach you? You know, whether it be through social media or email. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, our website is batteryexchange.co. Um. You know, my email is you know Desmond at batteryexchange.co. Um. But I'm pretty active on. Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, it's worldwide wigs underscore. Um, you could reach out to me there and or the company's page is um, battery exchange underscore. And, you know, we're on, you know, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, Twitter, you need to get a TikTok, um, kind of get that up and moving and stuff. But I, I'm pretty much on every platform right now. All right, man. Um, man, Desmond, Thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview, man. Man, pleasure is all mine, man. Love what you're doing. Um, and thank happy you. to be a part of yeah, what you're creating. Thank you. Thank you, man. Um, if you don't mind, man, could you close us out with a good message? Um, what would I want to know? Um, you know, I, I think like just any type of encouragement of you know, any entrepreneur that's out there. Um, trying to kind of figure it out. Um, don't feel like you're in this alone. You know, really lean on people that believe in you. Um, that allows you to create a community. And you don't always have to know it. Um, you don't, you just have to have the vision. And I believe, you know, the, the world and the energy, you know, gives you everything that you need to be successful. You just got to put it out there and not be scared and, you know, be open to taking risk. And if you do that, you know, you will be wherever it is you want to be. And that's not just entrepreneurship. That's the corporate world. Um, you know, that's the side hustles, all of those, you know, kind of encompass ecosystem um, energy and, you know, just having the grit to, to, to go through with it. Well, there you go, man. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. No doubt. No doubt. You have yeah. a good one. All right, guys. So that's the end of the episode. I'm your host, Adrian Evans. Again, guys, I had Desmond Wigan Jr., He's the CEO and co-founder of Better Exchange. I hope you guys were able to learn something, man. I hope you guys would, uh, definitely took some notes, man. He dropped a lot of game. And that's the end of the episode, guys. Peace. All right, guys, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for sticking around. If you guys really enjoyed this show, please leave a five-star review and share this with a friend, family member, or coworker. And if you guys have any suggestions as far as what to talk about on the show and who to review, please email us at blackwolfmedia18 at gmail.com. Again, our email is blackwolfmedia18 at gmail.com. Thank you, guys. Until next time.